In this episode of Beyond the Green Line, we're talking to Danielle Morton, a banking sector professional turned entrepreneur who is disrupting the organic food industry and leveling up the amount of knowledge available to us all about the food we eat and the fibre we wear. This conversation is about importing innovative blue sky technology that is helping families with allergies and sensitivities, as well as those of us who want more visibility around our food and fibre providence and a factual way to know how much residual herbicide and pesticide is lingering on the fresh food we buy. Hi, and welcome. Buckle up for a new episode of Beyond the Green Line, the only podcast hooking you up for a virtual coffee date with some of the leading change makers, industry experts, and everyday activists in environmental and agricultural sciences. So pop in your headphones, Go for a walk and get ready for inspiration, ideas, insights and real-life stories beyond the green line we balance along. Hello and welcome to this episode of Beyond the Green Line. I'm your host, Chanel Gleason-Willey. Our guest today is Danielle Morton, founder of Zondi, a cutting-edge venture delving into the science of light spectrometry and the power of the smartphone to develop a program capable of identifying residual herbicide and pesticide on the fruit and veg we buy. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Chanel. Thanks for being with us today and um, joining our podcast. So to start off with, uh, Zondi is a startup driven by an issue that is very close to home for you. Can you talk about what made you decide to look outside the box for a solution to your family's health problems? Yeah, sure. Um, Food became really central for me um, healing my children's gut health issues and whole foods improved their sleep, growth, behaviour and learning in a way that couldn't be ignored. And so I went searching for the healthiest food and was asked by producers to certify that their produce was healthier and grown in a way that was going to help um, people with their um, health goals. And so um, to achieve this, I found technology that's patented globally and uses multispectral imaging and artificial intelligence to detect differences in the food that we can't see with a normal photographic image. Uh, So the technology that you're using was developed overseas um, initially. Can you talk me through why it was first developed and what was its initial intended application? Yeah, so the technology was developed in a research organisation similar to the CSIRO, but in Germany. Uh, and the researchers um, are allowed to do passion projects. So they're allowed to use their knowledge and um, industry research to create technology that can be used in the real world. And um, I was able to obtain the global licence for that in food and fibre. And now we actually work very closely together. The creators of the technology and the scientists are now part of the implementation of that technology within the producer um, industry. Yeah, great. And How did you get to the point where you identified that it had a a wider commercial application? I think I was looking for something that would enable me to reach the goal of what the producers needed, which was that validation and authentication of their food without needing a huge army of people on the ground going to farms and validating and authenticating or creating a new certification that has its own challenges. Uh, And so 
in terms of putting that um, check in the hands of the consumer and actually not relying on any marketing or mislabeling that could occur, it literally is scanning the skin of an apple and telling you whether that apple is organic or not. And so it really is a game changer in the, indus- in the industry. Yeah, and that is just um, phenomenal science. You know, the technology behind this uh, blows my mind, basically. Um, 10 years ago, this would have been unheard of, you know, blue sky stuff, but now you're bringing it to the consumer, to us. Um, Can you describe how it all works and what your company is developing? Yeah, so um, spectral or spectroscopy has been around for quite a number of years and it's been in the space exploration or art restoration area. It's only in the last five to ten years that it's starting to make a big um, impact into the food industry and generally relies on really expensive hyperspectral cameras. So it's starting to make its way into the food supply chain. So if you're in a factory and you've got avocados going through on a conveyor belt, it's coming into play to, to check which ones are bruised, which ones are not, what are their ripeness level. And then um, the team that I work with were able to scale that down and actually um, invert the spectroscopy technology and start using the selfie camera on the smartphone uh, to create a smaller version that um, has the ability to detect the differences between two objects um, that, you know, visually we can't necessarily see with the human eye. And you're currently going through um, some, I guess, research to make sure that you can check that this is actually a verif- verifying that this technology is is doing what you think it's going to do. Um, now, this is part of, I guess, your startup, which is called Zondi, and you you have a corporate career background that must have helped you with many aspects of your business during the startup. Can you walk me through? Um, the growth and how hard you found it to step out of that profession and into the field of science and technology? Yeah, certainly. Um, It's been, the corporate career has given me a lot of skills that have been helpful in the startup space. So my project management has helped me understand what tasks need to be done, um, where the gaps are, and it also has helped me be comfortable bringing a team of people together. So I don't necessarily have to be the expert in every area of my business. So that's been really helpful. To go away from a um, set daily job, um, you know, with its its benefits in terms of income um, has been a challenge, but I, I think because I'm so passionate about it and I can see the future of this technology and its potential and also that I will be giving my kids a um, more balanced as- or access to me um, because when you're in the startup you can be a bit more flexible with your hours, it's definitely worth the extra time that I'm putting in into the startup space. And this this leap that you made um, from your your corporate career in project management into science and technology, obviously you must have learned an awful lot to make when you made that jump and um, in the years since. So what would you say to someone who has an idea um, but is maybe a bit unsure about making that initial jump because they don't actually have the background in that field uh, or they don't have um, – you know, haven't gone to university in that field or done any work in that field? Oh, I would highly encourage them because I think what they don't realise is there is a ton of researchers and scientists out there who are creating this amazing technology, but 
don't necessarily want to go out and create a startup or don't have the skill sets to do the startup. So um, a lot of the big startups that people know about um, have come from technology that already exists and it's just um, presented or used in a different way. So I'd highly encourage people that if they've got a problem, they know that there's potentially is technology out there that could solve it, to go and partner with people out there because the more people in your startup, the quicker you'll get traction and leverage um, to go from, you know, initial investment all the way through to commercialisation. With the Zondi, it's definitely well and truly up and running now. Um, it's a very exciting business, I must say. What's the big picture for the impact that Zondi will have you know, over the next sort of five to 10 years? Uh, so our big picture goal is to have this in the hands of consumers. I want mums to be able to walk into the store and actually scan a bunch of apples and pick the ones that are the healthiest for their kids without them having to be wrapped in plastic. Um, you know, at the moment, if you want to buy organic produce, it's completely wrapped in plastic to protect the, um, I guess, the sale of that high-end um, produce. So that's our big picture goal. What's actually happened in the early stages that we're doing right now is the fact that um, there is a lot of food fraud. There's about $3 billion industry in Australia alone. And um, we're actually being um, taken on board by industry like Cobram Estate and the Manuka honey industry and the tea tree oil to actually validate um, food fraud and authenticate produce. And so um, that's taking up our time at the moment. But our big scale or our big picture is to try and get it into the hands of consumers so that they can choose the healthiest produce for their kids. This leads me into my next question then. The next step for Zondi, I believe, is in the regenerative ag space. And this is something that you've been looking into recently. Can you tell me more about what that looks like? Yeah, that's quite exciting. Um, so that was where we started and wanted to be able to detect regenerative agriculture produce. Uh, we're a step behind that. We're doing organic first. And then um, we've been asked to come in and be involved in the certification of regenerative agriculture produce. And so uh, that means that you have soil that is, um, I guess, uh, looked after. There's better microbes, there's better minerals, there's a whole lot of, uh, I guess, nutrients within the soil and the big epiphany moment for me was the fact that if I actually had soil that was grown um, from a regenerative farm and it grew an apple or an orange, that apple or orange would actually have all the vitamins, minerals and supplements that I currently have to give my children separately. And so um, we want to be um, helping out with that authentication of that regenerative agriculture produce and showing the nutrient density of food to actually show people that it's healthier for you depending on how it has been grown all the way from the soil right the way through to the actual produce. That's a really interesting space and I guess regenerative ag has been around for quite some time but um, in the, the popular vernacular it's, it's still quite new. What do you see as the benefits of regenerative ag over um, organic? So regenerative ag pretty much moves away from any of the, so it doesn't even use organic pesticides. And uh, I can speak specifically for our family and with kids like ours with gut health issues um, and who are potentially on the spectrum, um, we have little children who are really sensitive to any environmental impact. And so even organic uh, um, pesticides for our kids can actually be detrimental to their behaviour, their learning, 
learning and their growth. And so um, we tend to lean towards pesticide-free um, produce. And so regenerative agriculture is that next level up where it's actually grown, the microbes are paid attention to in the soil, and it goes through the entire life cycle. And the healthier the plant is, you actually don't need to use pesticides because the pests actually come in and attack unhealthy plants. And so if you have healthy plants, the pesticide need is removed and you also have produce that comes out the other side with all the nutrients that it needs to actually nourish a person. So this leads me to my next question that you are an incredibly strong person who is obviously not afraid of change. Um, To the beginning of this journey that you've been on, you moved from the city to a rural property in the Northern Tablelands and lived in two tiny homes with your children and did a fair amount of homeschooling um, as well as making sure that you, you know, had your own gardens and did have your own very healthy food. So this seems like a really idyllic existence that's calm, slow and back to nature. Was it like that for you? I think that's a great description um, that that was what we were aiming for. So we were trying to um, give our kids a slow lifestyle and it really did help them bringing them back to nature and having less of the um, societal influences of racing off to all different activities in the afternoon and lots of functions on the weekends. So we definitely got the slower lifestyle in that regard by moving out of the city. It was not slow and relaxed. It was quite chaotic at times with the homeschooling and the working from home and running a business and um, trying to grow vegetables against all of the environmental um, challenges that you face. Uh, So um, I think it was quite busy and chaotic, but there were so many moments where we would just sit down in a field of, you know, native wildflowers or walk past on our property. Um, I call them butterfly trees where you would walk past and a hundred white butterflies would just suddenly, you know, bloom into the air. So there were many, many moments like that that help our kids develop. Um, But certainly not as idyllic and slow as I thought it would be when I left the city. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. And you went through COVID um, throughout this as well. I guess as a lot of the people like myself who live in regional Australia or in um, rural areas, we did actually feel very fortunate throughout COVID that whilst we did experience a couple of lockdowns, um, I guess you're the same as us in that you had this wonderful place to go back to um, where you really didn't feel like you were in lockdown. Was that true for you guys? Absolutely. I mean, we had people who couldn't believe that we were moving somewhere where the toilet was 200 metres away when we first arrived and they thought we were crazy living in tiny houses. And then all of a sudden lockdown occurred and people were locked in apartments and townhouses in Sydney and they were very jealous of our 200 metre walk through the bush (laughs) to the toilet. So, And you could collect leaves on the way so you didn't even need toilet paper. (laughs) Absolutely. There was no toilet paper shortage. Uh, no, it was definitely a fantastic um, experience and we certainly didn't ever feel like it was a, a challenge in the lockdown. Yeah, great. So are there any um, final words you'd like to say about where Zondi is, is heading and uh, I guess some of the exciting things that are coming up for your business? Uh, yeah, so we've got um, a lot of exciting projects underway. Um, we're doing everything from uh, grass um, for horse feed um, all the way through to olive oil and manuka honey and tea tree and organic apples. So there's a lot of variety going on, which is keeping us busy. It's exciting. 
I'd like, um, you know, eventually to be able to sit on one of these podcasts and say, everyone go onto the app store and download this app and, and, and check it out and go and test your f- fruit and vegetable in the shops. And so I think that's my, my main aim eventually is to, to have a podcast that, tell, that I can tell everyone to go and download it up. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully we'll be able to get you back on sometime in the near future and that will be the case. <laughs> yeah, coming soon. Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being my guest today, Danielle. You are a brave and strong woman who isn't shy of a change of scenery, a change of job, career and industry. So pretty much change in general. Um, thank you so much for coming along today and telling us all about your adventure that you've been on. Thank you, Chanel. Join us for our next episode of, for more inspirational stories, actionable tips and unleashing the eco-warrior inside you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast and head over to our socials to explore a little more about us. This has been Chanel gleeson Willy for the Beyond the Green Line podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Green Line, brought to you by Moss Environmental. Subscribe to our podcast for your weekly invitation to join the conversation. Until next time, keep thinking green.